Hello, I'm Adam Henning, the director of the Space Theatre, and I'm here in the box office with playwright Esme Pearson-Brown. Hello. Hello, hello, thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. We are very excited to be having your show coming to the space next week. Um, but first of all, I wanted to know a little bit more about your background, kind of where did you grow up, what sort mm-hmm. of influences you've had and stuff like that. Of course, yeah. So I have actually grown up in Cornwall. If anyone knows anything at all about the plunge, it is about cold water swimming and it's based in kind of a seaside town, which has definitely been influenced by my upbringing. I've always lived kind of in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of fields with lots of animals, a beach nearby. Um, But also I've been very, very lucky to grow up in a great kind of theatre community. I live kind of 10 minutes away from Sturt's Theatre, which is a little amphitheatre on the moors um, in Cornwall. And it's an amazing community venue. And actually a big reason why I was kind of attracted to the space, because it did remind me a lot of how it was run with volunteers being at the heart of it and stuff like that. So I've been very lucky to grow up in that atmosphere and be surrounded by the arts and theatre, because my mum is also a lover of the theatre and an actress and all that stuff as well. Well, it sounds idyllic. <laughs> um, yeah, so what was your first experience of theatre then, Grace? So you from a very young age? Yeah, so it was my mum. So my mum, well, I mean, technically my first experience, I was actually still inside my mum's belly and she was in a production in in just a town hall of stepping out and I and while she was pregnant with me. So I have literally been on the stage since I was before I was born. Yeah, she kind of, um, she saw that there was an open audition for a production of The Witches that was going to be at Sturt's Theatre and they needed children and she kind of dragged me along, I had no choice. And from there, my love kind of grew and I, I was in kind of community productions and youth productions within that theatre until I left for university. And within that time, I chose to kind of pursue theatre in other aspects of my life as well, not just as a hobby. I do truly think that that has made me who I am today. I was a very, very shy child, and I do think that theatre and performing and and allowing myself to kind of have these creative opportunities and devise at a young age and stuff like that has really grown my confidence as um, as a human being, I guess. So... Fantastic. Um, and you mentioned university. Where did mm-hmm. you go? What did you do at uni? Yes, so I have recently graduated, still not had a graduation, hopefully next month, from Royal Holloway University. And I did drama and theatre studies there. And it is a brilliant course. I chose it because not only do we kind of do the, you know, studying plays, writing essays, that kind of thing, it was really open to allow us to learn how to write, to direct, to devise. It's a really practical course um, because I kind of went into it knowing that I wanted to do something within theatre in my life but not knowing exactly what. <laughs> so it was really good for me to explore all of those different different options. And The Plunge, I'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute, The Plunge was a university project. Right. Um, so that it, it allowed me to create something like that which was amazing and had I had so much support. We have amazing um, tutors and lecturers there um, that have got lots of different links within the industry as well that have taught me a lot and it was really interesting, yeah. Cool. I'm talking to you as a playwright. Do you mm-hmm. identify more as a playwright, a performer, a theatre maker? As an early career creative, I am very much still finding my feet. I think 
out of self-confidence issues more than anything. I don't kind of see myself as a playwright purely because I, I kind of started writing properly during lockdown. It's quite recent and I have a very chaotic relationship with writing. I'm not, I've, I've never had creative writing classes. I've, we didn't learn how to do it at uni. We just had the opportunities to do it. The way I write is sit down for three days, just hour, hours and hours and hours and not really eat and not really sleep and then kind of wake up three days later in a bit of a haze and have some sort of script in front of me and then try and piece it together. I love writing and I think I've, and to be honest, I think Covid has allowed me to find that love. I don't think I would have had motivation to do it otherwise. I'm a very, I get distracted very easily <laughs> as a person. So I think that is something that I am now looking into developing more and looking into actually kind of, I don't know, even if it is like a week long course of playwriting and things like that to actually try and develop my skills a bit more and learn how to structure a play and build characters rather than just kind of writing down the mess that's in my brain. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any one right way of writing a play yeah. and I think that that chaotic method sometimes can bring incredible results um, and definitely you know you're having a play staged at the space you're definitely mm. a, a playwright so you should be <laughs> confident in saying that yeah I, I, and I also I think it's it can be really useful to learn all of those rules mm -hmm. so that you can then break them and, yes. and go your, you know add your chaos into that mix and mm -hmm. then see what kind of comes out of that would be really exciting yeah, what sort of stories interest you? What kind of, do you have ideas percolating? Are there other topics and themes that interest you? Yeah, I mean, I've always, and I, again, I think this is linked to my kind of Cornish upbringing. I've always been drawn to kind of fairy tales and folklore, and I guess just stories that are linked with nature. So everything I've written has been something, there's been some sort of connection. So that's how in my brain the plunge kind of was finalised. I was like, yes, it needs to be on the beach. That's how it needs to be situated. So I think that is the kind of thing. And with Dirty Feet Theatre, which is the company that me and Anna Robinson are doing the plunge under, we're very much, that is something that we're interested in and we we want to find that link between theatre and the environment and we're very much trying to be as sustainable as possible which can be hard we have learned it can be very hard but I think it's important for us not only to do that in practice but also the stories we tell trying to I think celebration is a big thing that I I love on stage and it can have kind of heart-wrenching moments and can tackle quite hard topics but I think the shows that I love and the stories that I love, that yeah, the heart of it is celebrating something and having some sort of positivity, which I think in the world that we are in at the moment, I think for me is really, really important in theatre. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely agree. I'm mm. a big fan of fairy tales <laughs> and folklore and, and that sort of stuff. Tell us a bit more about Dirty Feet Theatre. How did that all come about? Yes. So... Anna Robinson is is the co-artistic director with me and we and she was on the same course as me at university at Royal Holloway and we if I'm completely honest it came out of a drunken night out <laughs> that we we were sat in a toilet and we were like we want to make a theatre company and we did because we both have very similar I guess goals and aspirations in terms of things like fairy tales and celebration and sustainability and stuff like that and we wanted to amalgamate that together but I think mostly we wanted it 
so that we could have an excuse to play and to make things. And so at first, with the first kind of few years, we just kind of did a lot of scratch night type things, a lot of little pieces, playing around with things. We're very lucky at uni that there were brilliant kind of opportunities for things like scratch nights. So we did quite a few things like that. And there was actually a show that we were meant to do called Dirty Feet, and it was all going it was going to be a device show about kind of our relationships with nature. And the name Dirty Feet came about because it was something that I said, and I said, as a child, I always had dirty feet. Always, in some way, always had dirty feet, because I was like running around outside with bare feet. So that's how it came about. But what's really interesting is still I have in my room, we had this big kind of piece of paper that we wrote down all of these ideas for this device show that never happened. But what's really interesting is everything that we've done since then, you can still see that there's some sort of connection to that original piece of paper. So we have almost the shows that we're now looking at doing that we have been doing in the last few years, they've all been kind of linked to these original ideas that we had for this show. So it didn't turn into a show, but it kind of turned into our overall, I guess, ethos as a company, which is really lovely that we still have that. And we can, whenever we're a bit stuck, we can have a look at it and be like, right, what are our core values and what do we want to be looking at? Which is really nice. Can you tell me about uh, Mischief and Mayhem? So you took a show to the Camden Fringe last year. Yes. So originally, Mischief and Mayhem, again, it was one of these things that had been rustling around my head for quite a while because I love all things magic and as I said fairy tales and stuff so I I wanted to write something to do with fairies but how would fairies live in this modern technology era that we're in now Um, so originally it was written for Brick Fox Theatre Company's online scratch night um, foxholes and they they opened up submissions for kind of half an hour pieces to then be turned into like online uh, scratch night and yeah they chose Mr. Mayhem which was amazing so we worked with four actors me and Anna Robinson were the directors and um, we had Hannah Harding who did some lovely um, animations yeah and that was brilliant and then we decided that we wanted to as Dirty Feet take it to Camden Fringe so Mischief and Mayhem is it's only a 30 minute show but it's completely in rhyme, which I didn't originally mean it to be. I just start again, it was one of those things I sat down and I started writing and it just came out. I was, um, I think it's because I'd recently discovered Kay Tempest and fell in love with them. Again, it was my, my attempt to try and copy Kay Tempest, but obviously in failing to, I found my own voice, which I think is really important for, for writers that actually copying isn't always a bad thing obviously not copyright and all that kind of thing but I think finding inspiration from other people and almost like trying to do what they do actually is quite a good way of finding something that you want to be doing and finding your own voice and um, which is what I attempted to do yes but it's also inspired by because I grew up on the flower fairies book by Cecily Mary Barker I think she's called and it was kind of like a spin on them it was yeah, so there was four fairies, Puck, as you know him from uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, Flake, who is a spin off one of the flower fairies, the Snowdrop Fairy, we have Cavity, who's actually the um, Tooth Fairy, who's now a very strong businesswoman, and Sprout, who's kind of that idea of like your childhood best friend, um, and now that you've grown up and you've kind of left them behind. So it was it was really really fun to do, 
very stressful project because <laughs> it was kind of the first time we'd ever done like a proper show going to like a theatre. We learned so much and it was such a brilliant um, opportunity that we had. Yeah, and we're hoping to maybe maybe take it further in the future. I'm thinking maybe festivals or something like that that it would be perfect for because it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, so that's a little bit about mischief and mayhem. I was going to ask <laughs> earlier about your kind of transition from growing up in this in Cornwall and this kind of you know sort of idyllic thing that you described earlier and then studying in London yes kind of I don't know whether that relates in any way to Mr. Vermeer it really did I think I think I described when I had to like write my bio when we were doing Mr. Mayhem. I think I described it as this is my kind of anger and frustration and confusion at the world I tried to put in one piece because it is it was a big big culture shift for me kind of because I I did grow up I have internet in one room at home because we live in a very old farmhouse. I can't really get anywhere. I couldn't see friends until I learned to drive. That was the best day of my life, learning to drive <laughs> and stuff like that. So it is it is such a huge shift here. And it is amazing. It's so exciting. So many opportunities. But yes, I think a lot of that did go into Mischief and Mayhem of this, um, the sadness of kind of looking back at childhood and looking back at, I guess, simpler times and just playing outside with your fairy friends and now kind of how to navigate a world that's full of a lot of anger on like there's a lot of stuff in Mission of Mayhem about social media and kind of the toxic things within that so yeah and Flake it, the character Flake in Mission of Mayhem it actually turns out that they cause a lot of anger to get power because they've had to find different ways to get power because there's no longer are children kind of playing outside but they're now stuck on their phones on Instagram so they're having to gain power from all of the likes and frustrations that all these kind of 12 year olds have. Yeah so I think there is there was a lot of nostalgia that went into it and sadness but I'm hoping that it also allows people to kind of reflect a little bit and play a little bit more because that's something that I think is really important to me, that adults continue to play, which I guess is why I've gone into theatre, because it just is an excuse. <laughs> Absolutely, <guess>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'd love to read Mr. For Me, and it sounds fascinating, so you'll have to, you'll have to mm-hmm. um, let, me, let me see a copy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about The Plunge then. So this is the yes. show you're bringing to the space. It's a play inspired by and created using verbatim from women across the mm-hmm. country. Uh, you've already mentioned that it came through a uni project. Was there a particular yes. brief for that? Not really. So it was my special project, which is equivalent to a dissertation. So it was my final, final big, big project in third year. And I had already actually written a a version of a script that came from this idea of menopause and talking about it with daughters and things like that. Because I think it would be about four years ago now, I had the conversation with my mum where we realised that we'd never spoken about it before. Because my mum... She had breast cancer about six or seven years ago and through that, through her medication, she had an induced menopause and an elongated menopause. And obviously I was there to support her through the cancer treatment and everything that came with that, but I had no idea there was this kind of added thing that she was going through. No idea at all. I'd I'd hardly ever heard the word used really. And we realised that yeah, it was something that we'd never spoken about before, which was very strange for me and my mum. We have a very close relationship and that it wasn't just us. I think that it was something that no one 
uh, speaks about really. So since then we'd kind of occasionally talked about it, occasionally kind of brought it up with people and I had written this script but if I'm honest it was very much from my perspective just being angry. It was just a daughter angry at her mum for being so frustrating because she just don't, didn't understand her and I had no, no perspective from the woman who was actually going through menopause which I think is the most important thing. So when kind of the opportunity uh, presented itself to start kind of this project anew, I, I jumped on it. My tutors were really, really supportive from the get-go and said that I should absolutely do this project. So because it was a university project, I did a lot of research to go along with it, which I think helped a lot. I researched into a Lecky Blythe a lot, which just a recommendation if anyone, I don't know if this is coming out, what our generation at the National Theatre at the moment is the new Alecky Blythe play and it is absolutely phenomenal so I do recommend but um, I have seen her a couple of times and I have fangirled a little bit but she basically is the queen of verbatim she does verbatim theatre and I had done a module in second year called Staging the Real which was all about verbatim theatre and it did I think some people find it really boring but I think the even as just a devising method it is amazing um yeah the basin theater is a really interesting tool um to use within theater as a whole so originally when i started doing these interviews i didn't think that i was going to use the pure verbatim in the actual script i think as i got into the writing process i realized there is no way that i could write anything as good as what these women had actually said because it's just gold dust absolute gold dust i do recommend for anyone who is stuck having like writer's block or anything like that, just doing a few interviews with people about a specific topic is just so useful and inspiring. And yeah, you never know, you could actually use that material within the final thing itself. So that was a big um, part of my research. And then obviously menopause itself and well, to be honest, the lack of research about menopause, um, specifically within theatre, it's really disappointing actually how just characters within kind of classic plays or even contemporary really there's just not even a mention of kind of loss of fertility or the symptoms or anything or just that experience is just completely there's a void within representation in theatre which is such a shame so I'm hoping maybe that this will do a tiny little domino effect and we'll maybe start some conversations and start some representation even for for actors of that typical age group of menopause. Yeah, so my my biggest part of creating the play was obviously these interviews. I do think that if we were to take this um, play further, which we would absolutely love to, I would love to do some more interviews because I think because it was a, a university project, I had a very limited time, it's quite stressful. And so because of that, a lot of the interviewees were people I already knew, so it's quite a limited pool of people. And I do think there are so many more stories to be heard and so many more perspectives that I have kind of missed out with this one. Um, but I did unfortunately have to stop somewhere. <laughs> I could have gone on forever, but yes. But we would love to keep the conversation going. And already, I mean, I've had interviewees get back in touch with me since. It was about a year ago that I stopped doing the interviews now and they have, I don't know, some of them have now started HRT when they, they were kind of like umming and ahhing about it before. A couple of them have started cold water swimming because it was the conversation that we'd had. So it was really lovely to hear, even even without the play being put on, 
the players already started having these little kind of effects of of people starting these conversations even with their immediate circles around them which is really lovely to hear yeah it's amazing that that engagement that kind of starts mm. within the creative process yeah. which is which is fantastic and it was definitely one of the things that appealed to us when we received your your proposal was this mm. is a topic that we have never seen a play or read a play or yeah. you know heard of a play that right. is written on this topic but yeah and i think the verbatim stuff is really fascinating we did a show back in 2009 i think 2009 2010 called 2012 which was all about the oh. olympics because oh. it was coming into this area so it was a mixture of verbatim from news reports and tv stories mm-hmm. and local people's views about the olympics coming to east yeah. london and, and there were some really lovely stories that we talked to a lot of older people mm. and their sort of memories of the previous time that the olympics came to london and wow. that sort of stuff but it was a really really fascinating topic we did have someone playing boris johnson in it as well, <laughs> so, um, amazing so yeah how's how's the process been sort of since since writing it how's the process been in creating the show have you been involved in rehearsals and... yes so it's been really interesting we did even though i i am interested in developing kind of experience as being a director as well because that is something that i really love doing we did decide for this project for me to step back and get an external director in. So we've got a wonderful director called Manisha Sondi, who is brilliant. But I have been very, very involved in rehearsal. I've been into most of them, which has been really useful. I think for for Manisha and the cast to kind of ask questions and to start those conversations, it's been a really lovely and open rehearsal room to be in but also for me as a writer it's been so useful almost it's almost been a huge workshop of this piece because I hadn't really again because it was a university project I didn't have that kind of R&D time that a lot of plays sometimes do um, other than a read-through of my mum and my sister where we all played two characters at once yeah it's been really really interesting and knowing kind of I don't know maybe what stories I have already maybe missed out like I've realized that I don't actually paint a very good picture of HRT and actually there are some people in the cast themselves that have had brilliant um, experiences with it it just so happened that a lot of my interviewees didn't have a very good experience or did have all these horror stories so there's that perspective that I'd kind of missed out a little bit so it has been really really useful and I mean we've been so lucky with the cast that they have been so open that that was something that we were really looking for um, in the auditions was who, more than anything, who wanted to talk to us and who wanted to have these conversations because it was going to be such such an important part of our process. And there has been quite emotional moments and that we've had to kind of step back. And I, I hope anyway that the cast have really enjoyed themselves and that it has been quite meaningful. And hopefully again to them that they will start making these conversations as well. And because we have, it's quite a wide age group and we deliberately wanted to do that because we obviously have the perspective of kind of the younger generation. So we have Grace, who plays our the daughter in it, who is 19. And she came in not really knowing anything at all. And she's already said that, that she's learnt so much already, which is brilliant to have that kind of new generation talking about it as well. Because I think hopefully by the time... I get to that age and if I go through the menopause hopefully there will be a lot more support because I think that is 
the main issue at the moment is because there is no education within schools or anything, there's no real research. So even doctors don't really know much about it. So people go into the doctor's office and have no support. Workplaces, there's no support. So hopefully, if the younger generation even start to learn about it, maybe those things will start to be put in place um, and quickly so that there is more support and people are more comfortable, I guess. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's brilliant what you're doing. And we've, you've just talked already about kind of what you want people to get out of the show in terms mm. of that sort of knowledge and awareness of the mm-hmm. menopause. What do you think the audience reaction to the piece will be? Any, any thoughts on their, the audience experience of the show? Yeah, I really hope, I think the most important thing is getting people in who relate to it. And I, I think that has been the most special moments for me so far when kind of working with the script, for example, our first read through and afterwards kind of we sat back a little bit and some of the cast went, that bit about so-and-so, that bit about the hot flush, that's exactly what... And that, I think, is the most important thing right now is this idea of them being heard and that they're not alone in their experience and that you can talk about it. I think it's the most important thing right now. Anna actually went to a menopause support group last week and did a talk there about the plunge and she said that it was amazing to hear these people sharing the stories because that's something that you just don't normally get so I think for me that's the most important thing right now is um is getting those audiences in who can go yes they get it they get it and then hopefully that will give them the confidence to talk a little bit more but also secondary to that is getting the young people in preferably with their parents and with their mums and going oh okay that's why you've been a bit stressed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I get it a bit more now. Yeah, because I, I, I just think in these kind of initial periods of, of just getting this play out there, I, yeah, I think we just need to build almost a community around it and get people starting these conversations. And then hopefully we can actually probably start making a change from that. Cool. Yeah. Is it too soon for you to know what's next for, <laughs> for either you as a writer or a creative or for Dirty Feet? I think we're very open at the moment. Me personally, as as a creative, I definitely want to explore a lot more in that directing route. I think I've I've kind of realised that that's something that I I want to develop, and then also developing kind of my writing experience as well, and not sitting down for three days and not sleeping. But that as a, on a personal level, so I am currently looking for, even if it's just like little opportunities, little writing courses, stuff like that, and maybe kind of applying to more things outside of Dirty Feet to kind of build my own experience. But then Dirty Feet itself, we have a few ideas of what we want to do. I think after, because this has been such a huge and quite different to what we've done before project for us, I think we are going to kind of afterwards sit back, reflect, and and kind of think what do we want to do next do we want to go straight into kind of taking it somewhere else do we want to let it breathe a little bit we've already got some people um in the pipeline who are kind of uh going to almost work with me as a dramaturg and come in and kind of they're coming to see the show and then going to kind of have some meetings with me about how to develop it how to kind of uh make it better and stuff like that to maybe take somewhere else so it's kind of 
yeah, lots of different directions that we have at the moment and nothing set in stone. But I think, like I said, we'll just always go back to that piece of paper and make sure that what we're doing is is what aligns with what we really kind of feel as a as a company. And just have fun. I think me and Anna were talking this morning about how we, we just miss being in a rehearsal room and messing around and just seeing what comes out of it. So I think maybe in the next few months to, to breathe a little bit more, we might just do some kind of experiments and it might never be seen by anyone else, <laughs> but we'll just see what comes out of it. And then hopefully maybe our next project will, will come up with that. Great, yeah. an opportunity to play. Yes, exactly, exactly. Fantastic. We should say when the plunge is on. Yes, that would be helpful. <laughs> it is from the 15th to the 19th of March at The Space on the Isle of Dogs from 7.30 in the evening. Tickets are on The Space website. They are £15 or £12 for um, various things. And we're live streaming. And sure. live streaming, yes. So you'll also be able to buy a live stream ticket, which you can watch live or two weeks in demand. Is that yeah, so you'll be able to watch live online on Thursday the 17th at 7.30pm and then it will be available on demand for two weeks after that. So no excuses, uh, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this has been brilliant. It's been so lovely talking to you. Thank, Thank you for being you. our first podcast guest. <laughs> so exciting. I know. I feel so honoured. And we wish you all the best for your plunge run. I'm looking forward to learning a lot about the menopause myself. Oh, good. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't wait to see the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's Very been welcome. lovely. Cool. Meow, 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 meow